Hi all, this is What Fresh Insight, a show that looks at the big questions from new, unexpected angles. Who are we? What is really going on? And how do we bring good into this mundane, sublime, spiritual, and sometimes silly world of ours? I'm Sarah Bariza, a writer and musician, and today I am delighted to have an interview for you. It is with Reverend Dr. Angela Yarber. She is the founder and executive director of the nonprofit to Home Center. She is the author of eight books, and her most recent one is Queering the American Dream. Angela, you have so many rich stories in Queering America, the American Dream, uh, your own stories, and um, drawing on the stories of all these revolutionary women. Can you give us a big picture overview of that? Definitely. So Queering the American Dream is my queer family who left it all and the revolutionary women who taught us how. Our story began the day the Supreme Court ruled our marriage legal and ended the moment my younger brother's addiction spiraled into a deadly overdose. And in between our 18 months of full-time travel throughout the American landscape with a toddler in tow, something you know about. Oh, that just sounds so easy. So easy right there. <laughs> well, we, you, our toddler at the time was really a trooper and did really well. And at each stop along the way, there were different revolutionary women from history and myth who taught us how to both decolonize our spirituality and also how to queer the American dream. Can you tell us what that means for you, queering the American dream? I know I realize this is the whole book. So there's the whole book as an answer, but also in a shorter form. Sure. I would say in the shortest form, it would be subverting the American dream because it's a dream rooted in meritocracy that only works for some people. And I think that we can dismantle that dream and say, no, we need to create something that's bigger and deeper and works uh, more inclusively for more people. This is also something that uh, the nonprofit that you manage and founded, that that's, that's like a guiding impulse for the Tehome Center. Absolutely. And we do that all through the lens of teaching about revolutionary women through art, writing, and retreats and courses. So yes, creating a better world for all people is part of the ethos and part of the mission of what we do as a nonprofit, part of the book. And at the risk of sounding too grandiose, it's what I'm trying to do as a person and part of my calling for sure. Oh, in reading your book, it I had such a sense of but this is this is um not that not in the specifics, but in that impulse to be doing that. This this is what you're calling us all to do. You're calling us all to live differently. Oh, certainly, yeah. Because as we've learned throughout the pandemic, for example, the way we have been living hasn't worked for most people. It's left too many people disenfranchised and underrepresented and seats of power and leadership. And that's something that we need to reimagine. And now is a perfect time to do that. I feel like um so much in the pandemic was just like taking away like this pretty curtain that was on top of just this horrible, uh, moldering, decrepit structure. And many of us in our lives, we didn't even realize that that structure was there because we could just see that pretty curtain. And then without that, that little bit there, suddenly we can see, oh, this is falling apart and Absolutely. our lives cannot continue this way. Absolutely. And that's, um, you know, for, for people like you and me, we're seeing that and then seeing it for, um, communities of color and the trans community and um, our Jewish and Muslim kindred and so many other um, people where isms have been used to exclude and divide. And so when we've seen that experience for us, 
and then how it's impacting other underrepresented voices, it's even more of an impulse to try to work and change things. So how, in in that broad sense, how are you thinking about living differently and calling people to live differently? I realize you're you're not a practicing pastor now, uh, and and yet that language sounds so uh, so um, biblical. You know, calling people to live differently that is that's such a pastoral move right there. Oh, for sure. And I almost saw that um, toward the end of my book that I toyed with the idea of, of calling the conclusion the benediction, even though those aren't the words that I use anymore because I'm no longer serving a church. Um, but we are called to live differently. And I feel that part, that's part of my mission as, as the work that I do as an artist, as a writer, um, even as an academic, and then, of course, as an activist as well. What are some specific ways that we could think about this living differently? Ooh. I, well, it's interesting because, you know, in the book, part of it was, you know, we sold our home, we quit our jobs, we traveled full time at a camper, and then we built a tiny off grid, you know, an off grid tiny house <laughs> where we had all of our own solar power and water catchment. Isn't so that amazing? <laughs> very large things, you know, and, and then mm-hmm. lived that way for five years. But now I find myself living in like a standard size house that feels quite palatial compared to a tiny house. And where I have like my utility bills that come in every month. But there are small things that we can do, like um, not running our air conditioner as as low, like recycling, like um, biking when we can rather than driving. Um, little things like that that do, I think, add up. And it is fair to say that, you know, it does make a difference if we bring our reusable bags to the grocery store rather than just using those plastic ones, which was a huge shift for me having lived in Hawaii where plastic bags are illegal. And then now <laughs> I live in the state of Florida where uh, they're everywhere. So oh. there are little things like that that we can do um, to dismantle the way that things are and to try to live a little bit differently. Uh, my little boy last night, my five-year-old little boy, uh, was telling me that he found a sycamore leaf, a sycamore seed, which I think he means one of those helicopter seeds. And, um, and I took off all the outside and then I planted it. And maybe when I am 25, it will be big enough for me to see. And he was telling me this all in the context of like, this is a way for me to make the world a greener place. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, oh, all the things your teachers are teaching you are getting through. This is so great. And that's, that's such, like, amazing. A, it's so small and it's so, uh, it's, you know, precious and naive and innocent. And to me, like that spark is saying, oh, there, there is a way to be in the world that is, is kinder and gentler and, and does imagine differently than just, well, let's just plow over everything. Absolutely. And I think even the example, you know, that you share of um, listening to the imagination, the creativity of your child, that so often um, as adults, we realize that, or we don't realize, but we act upon the fact that we are bigger and stronger and have more power than children and wield that over them in really unfair ways. So just the example of you pausing and listening and being um, kind of drawn to wonder at the sight of your own child is another example, I think, of kind of subverting the way things have usually been done and listening to a very wise five-year-old. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about the revolu- revolutionary women? That you wrote about absolutely yes so in um in my work as an artist i've painted and or done assemblage art that represents over 150 revolutionary women from history and myth oh, that's and in amazing. this book yeah and, and the the list never ends like i feel like this is a lifelong project there are just so many revolutionary women that have been strategically erased at at 
best <laughs> or violently, you know, completely dismembered altogether, depending on um, the canons and the stories that we're reading. But um, there are so many out there whose voices have gone unheard. And so part of my mission is lifting up those voices and those perspectives. And in my book, there are 16 different revolutionary women, one historical woman and one mythological woman for each kind of phase along our journey um, that have taught us how to live differently. Could you give us a, a few examples of who they are? Absolutely. So one of my very favorite ones from history is Polly Murray. And Polly Murray was, um, I think her name needs to be just as famous and heard of as Martin Luther King Jr.'s, for example. Um, she was a bastion in the civil rights movement, but she started off as a civil rights attorney after being denied entrance into law school at one school because of her race, at another school because of her gender, and ends up going to Berkeley to study law and writes um, a book that Thurgood Marshall said was the Bible of the civil rights movement. And later on in life, in her 60s, she feels called to ministry and becomes one of the, the first African-American women ordained as an Episcopal priest. And where she presides at communion, it's at the church where her grandmother, who was then a slave, was baptized. And not only that, but she also identifies um, as queer, didn't use that language at the time, but um, all of her intimate relationships were with other women. She took hormone treatment um, at one point in her life and always said that she felt like a man trapped in a woman's body. And so likely if she had the language that we use today, she probably would have identified either as transgender or as gender non-binary, but still used she pronouns all throughout and scholars who study her still typically use she pronouns though some will use they. And I just think about this story of this revolutionary who did so much both within the church, within the civil rights movement and in the United States in general. And so few people know Polly Murray's name. And so that's an example of one of the historical women who, who tells us that, that hope is a song in a weary throat. Give me a song of hope in a world where I can sing it. And so I always wonder, are we creating a world? Are we living in a world where Polly Murray could have sung that song of hope? Oh, what, what a thing to aspire to. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of how for little kids, like my five-year-old, we're so often um, looking for role models for them. And here's a book about somebody famous that you should aspire to be. And I feel like as grownups, we so often don't think of ourselves as needing a role model or, mm -hmm. I mean, we have our lives figured out and we're fine and we don't need to aspire to anything because like we are who we are. And I don't agree with that at all. Like, I, 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 But it's so, it can be so challenging to find role models or to, to, but when we have our eyes open to notice as for you, where you're like, oh, I've painted 150 women and there are countless more. You have your eyes open to look. And since you're there looking, you're finding the people who are already there. Absolutely. And I think that they form what I call a subversive sisterhood of saints, like this cloud of witnesses that surrounds us and upholds us and stands alongside of us so that we know that we're able to do this work that we do today because of the shoulders that we're resting upon and because of the work that they've done paving the way for us. And so, especially if we struggle to find a community, I know that you've worked a lot with um, pastors and clergy and also academics. Those are all really isolating fields where you can they are. you're the only one and that you're alone. But to know that you have this subversive sisterhood of saints um, surrounding you across the gender spectrum that are upholding you is something that for me in those lonely moments that I find really comforting and inspiring. Mm. Y'all, it has been so great to read Angela's book, Queering the American Dream. And um, Angela is donating all the profits for this book to the to Home Center. 
thank you so much for joining joining me today, Angela. Thanks so much for having me. With you. It really was. I appreciated our generative conversation. Thanks to Angela Yarber for this lovely interview. You can find more about the Tehome Center online at tehomecenter.org. That's T-E-H-O-M. And you can also find Queering the American Dream really wherever books are sold. Your local bookstore can order it for you, or you can order it through online bookstores like Bookshop. I'm Sarah Brisa. Thank you for listening to What Fresh Insight. I'll be back next week with another episode. Bye.